Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. After two years in four insufferable days on site at Marco Simone, trying desperately to get this Ryder Cup underway. We finally, Rex, we finally have something tangible to look at and dissect. It's the Friday morning foursomes pairings for this Ryder Cup. Starting the first match, U.S. side, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns versus John Rahm, Terrell Hatton, followed by Max Homa, Brian Harmon versus Ludwig Aberg and Victor Hovland. Third, Ricky Fowler, Kyle Morikawa versus Sepp Straka, Shane Lowry. And finally, and to me the highlight of Friday morning foursomes, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, of course, versus Fleetwood <laughs> Mac, Roy McIlroy, <laughs> and Tommy Fleetwood. Rec, you were all dressed up with nowhere to go. Your hit on Live Trump got canceled. I'm sure you will be in a foul mood. We're doing this audio only, unfortunately. What are your thoughts as we finally look at these pairings? I'm so bummed. It's audio only. Like usually I, I'm kind of indifferent to, you know, being on video because I don't think anyone wants to look at either one of us. However, it, this was a visual medium like it normally is. You could see the excitement on your face because you're right. We've been talking about this, writing about this, talking about this forever. And now something lands on your lap that's tangible. And it, it happens so fast. I mentioned this to you this afternoon and you just kind of gave me a knowing nod. Like the, the last four days, have just lasted forever. It is just a grind trying to get to where we are right now. And I know like it, it hurts almost that come Friday morning, it goes so fast because you look at these pairings and you start breaking them down. And once we sort of got a, a look at them, there, there's so much intrigue here. And I'm sure we're going to get to predictions at some point, but I was taken on the, on the extremely violent bus ride home. I know I'm not violent, contentious. I, I'm going to say this about the Italians. Man, they like to yell at each other for no particular reason. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, I too had a run-in with the Italian police uh, on Thursday, just trying to get to the putting green. A mere, a mere thirty feet away, oh, I could, we could, we could see the camera. Uh, did not have the proper credential. Not sure how that slipped uh, through the cracks, uh, but it did. Uh, there was clearly some sort of language barrier. Uh, there was clearly, clearly some sort of resistance. Uh, I wasn't about to make a mad dash on the putting green and potentially harm any of the participants in the Ryder Cup. I even asked if they could just squire me uh, over to over to the to the live shot. They could keep close eye on me, uh, detain me if need be until we went up on the air at three fifteen local time. That did not happen. I've I've learned quickly that uh, through the bus drivers, through security guards. Uh, through our taxi drivers, uh, they they are aggressive uh, and they are rules followers. Which which as a as a rules follower myself, uh, I certainly appreciate. Uh, but it has been is a little bit of a of tough scene over these past past uh, four days or so. It might have been the funniest thing that's ever happened in uh, to me in a in a very long time that I saw it happening in real time. But seeing you get detained essentially 
and knowing what it was about. You didn't have the right number on your credential to get onto the putting green because I had been doing the show on the putting green all morning long. I, I could not stop laughing to the point that I had tears in my eyes. I, I got the hiccups, which is not a good thing if you're on TV. I couldn't stop laughing. It might be the funniest thing that I think I've ever encountered in my professional life. And that lasted for about 10 glorious minutes. And then it landed on me that, oh God, if he doesn't get in, I have to do this hit by myself and no one wants that. So then I start scrambling and we, we, we got him. Charlie, big props to Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much for stepping in from the European tour, got you through the gate and we ended up doing our hit. But to get back to <laughs> the actual the actual golf at hand, I, we, can, we can do this. We, we can break it down match by match. And you and I both will be on that first tee tomorrow morning. And I, I let, let's just start with there. We got Scotty Sheffley. We got Sam Burns. Not a huge surprise there. John Rahm and Hatton. This is glorious. This is, this is fire and heat. This is exactly what you want. This is the world number one going against what I would argue is probably Europe's best fiery, emotional, whatever you want to call that pairing. And this is exactly what you predicted, isn't it, Rex? When we did our uh, laugh, uh, once it once it, once it actually finally got to the set, you thought that they would send out John Rahm and Terrell Hatton first on the European side. That's exactly what you did. You, you didn't have the American side, right? We obviously knew that Sky Scheffler and Sam Burns were going to play together. What we didn't know is the order. Not a huge surprise there, but I, obviously that one's full of intrigue. You first start with Scotty. The world number one uh, has made a putting change. Been so much talk, uh, particularly by you. Uh, over the past couple of days about what that's going to mean, <laughs> what, the, what, the, what the changes actually are. I'm just so interested to see. I mean, he has been grinding on the putting green. He missed his uh, scheduled press conference time by an hour because he was working so hard on the putting green with new putting coach Phil Kenyon. I just I can't wait to see when he has his first four or five footer that he absolutely has to make. Does he now have the confidence, has those changes uh, bed in? And now with a partnership with Sam Burns, uh, obviously one of his best friends, but a player with whom he went 0-2-1 at the President's Cup last year. As, when it comes to Hatton and Rom, I thought it was very interesting what Captain Luke Donald said uh, in the press conference afterward, that John Rom feeds off a player who is passionate and engaged with him. The, the idea that these are going to be two explosive players uh, potentially you know, working themselves in, into a tizzy, I actually don't think and clearly Luke Donalds does not think either that's going to be the case in fact Hatton might be that Sergio type player that Rom uh, clearly wants to be alongside a, a player who's who's passionate for the event has a lot of energy uh, will use the crowd uh, in his favor uh, I think that could be a very formidable duo for the Europeans oh I do too and look the way we did it we started our segment today on live from with what we wanted to see on the first tee First thing Friday morning. And I, I was clear when I started mine saying that this is what I wanted to see. And I, I did not actually expect the captains to do that. I knew that Rom was going to end up with Hatton. That's a really good pairing. Without Sergio Garcia, John Rom needed a partner in crime. And that is a perfect partner in crime when you look at just the emotion those two bring to the table. I wrote the column last night on Hatton about the idea that Luke Donald loves him in this event, which is kind of amazing to me when you think about it. Because he's clearly, I'm going to say a hothead, and that's probably not the fairest way of putting it, but anyone who has been paying attention has seen the theatrics, the drama, the, the, just the wondrous being that is Hatton on, on the golf course. But I talked to Luke Donald about this a couple weeks ago. He goes, you can only get to 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, you can only get to 10. And Hatton is always at 10. So why not just trust him in the Ryder Cup? Yes, it's more pressure. Yes, 
there's more people. Yes, there's more screaming, but he's always at 10. So this is kind of where he lives. On the other side, I'm with you. I think it's really compelling that you can make an argument that Sam Burns in the first group out on Friday morning in front of a, of a, of a hostile crowd and a rookie at the Ryder Cup, that is probably not a best-case scenario, and that's not what we're going to be talking about. You and I will be watching every single five-footer that Scotty Scheffler, you, me, and everyone else in the free world who has any interest in golf, will be watching every five-footer that he has. Rex, if you notice that I've not talked over you on this pod on this podcast, All shout right. out Doug Ferguson of the AP, uh, who gave uh, unsolicited advice, uh, saying that we talk over each other too much, making now a conscious effort on this mini pod uh, to not do so. Although I've wanted to interject, oh, so many times. When you look at that second pairing, Rex, to me, this is the one that if if you're a diehard hardcore golf fan, this is the one that you absolutely love. the the, the hype surrounding. Ludwig Aberg is absolutely out of control. As we all know, the first player in Ryder Cup history who is playing in these matches but have never played in a major championship before. And all he has done right now in this Ryder Cup is being paired with his Scandinavian counterpart, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now in Victor Hovland. This is strength on strength. Ludwig Aberg, one of the best drivers of the golf ball uh, on the PGA Tour, Victor Hovland, uh, one of the most, I would argue, now. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Complete players, uh, the, the deficiencies that he had two years ago at Whistling Straits, like he seems like a vastly different player, completely different player than he was at that time uh, when he really struggled while going all five matches for the Europeans. And now he's playing what I would think, Rex, might be a little bit of a surprise. It's, it's not necessarily a pairing that we saw heading into this Ryder Cup with Max Homa and Brian Harmon. Selfishly, I wanted to see Harmon uh, with Brooks Kepka. I think both of us uh, thought you would see Max Homa and Kyle Morikawa with the, with the cow background. And I think we would probably see them at some point uh, in these team sessions. How do you see uh, that one shaking out and, and the breakdown between those? Did you say Aberg's name correctly? No, probably not. But uh, as Americans, we butcher European pronunciations uh, all the time. Uh, Ludwig has, has changed the way that he wants his name to be pronounced uh, three, four, five times since college ended in June. So this is what we're rolling with until told, until told otherwise. You, what's curious about the Max Homa-Brian Harmon pairing, and it, it's kind of interesting. I saw it Tuesday when I went out and started walking the practice rounds, and it was immediately evident 
that those two were paired together, which was interesting. You would have thought he and Morikawa, Max and Morikawa would have been a, a natural pairing. But as I saw it over the next three days, Zach Johnson did not waver on what he wanted to do. It was pretty clear by the time we got to the, the first tee this morning that, oh, okay, this is what he's going to send out early Friday morning. He sees something there. And uh, obviously, I, I'm, I've been looking forward to watching Brian Harmon in his first Ryder Cup. And simply because he's kind of that player that everyone says, oh, he would be perfect for this. Well, here's an opportunity for us to see. And when I broke it down statistically, you, I can make an argument that at least based on what we're going to see tomorrow, they are the United States side's strongest foursomes pairing. And I'm only doing this statistically. I'm obviously not basing this on world rankings or major championships or anything else. I'm basing it on the idea that what you're doing, trying to do is match someone up. You're trying to ham and egg it with math, right? And so if you look at driving accuracy, Brian Harmon was 11th on tour this season in driving accuracy. Homa was 83rd. And scrambling, Brian Harmon was first on tour. Max Homa was 33rd in greens and regulation. And in putting, Harmon was 21st. Homa was sixth, which is the second best on the American side. So now you lay out the golf course. Three of the four par threes are odd number holes. So you send Max off because he's clearly the better iron player, or at least statistically he's the better iron player with the GIR ranking. And then you, the toughest driving holes are the even holes. And so you're going to put harm out on those. He's clearly a better driver of the golf ball. He doesn't smash it. He's not the modern driver of the golf ball. He's going to find fairways for you. And it's so fascinating to me that you're right. Victor Hovland is the best player in golf at the moment. And I'm so interested to see what Aberg, Oberg, whatever his name is, however you pronounce that, apologies for butchering it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but if you look at those two going head to head, I'm fascinated. But this is going to be the match I'm going to walk with because I have to see how this plays out. This definitely strikes me, that one did, as one that the Data Boys helped put together. I thought back uh, at Whistling Straits 2021 Ryder Cup, uh, Dustin Johnson, Kyle Morikawa uh, was not one that you'd necessarily see relationship-wise, uh, friendship-wise. It was, it was a, a, a fit where you're looking at the two players' various skill sets and the golf course. That's what the, the, the system and the formulas uh, spit out. And I think that's the case, not just for Homa Harmon, but I think Rex with the third one as well, with Ricky Fowler and Kyle Morikawa did not see that one coming as well. And they're playing against what, at least in this session, to me, is the weakest team for the Europeans in Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka. Obviously, we're very familiar with Sepp Straka's game uh, coming on on the PGA Tour, uh, popped up and won the deer. Uh, Shane Lowry, by by all uh, by, by all accounts, statistically and, and through his own admission, did not play particularly well in 2023. Somewhat of a controversial pick, uh, at least in some corners, uh, especially with those who wanted Adrian Moronk to be on this team. But Shane Lowry has actually played better uh, of late. It seems like that getting one of the nods from Luke Dial has actually spurred him a little bit in a couple of top 20s uh, heading into this Ryder Cup. Ricky Fowler and Kyle Morikawa strike me as two players who can absolutely flag iron shots, uh, but the rest of their games uh, aren't quite top-notch. This was the one, Rex, where I was surprised that we didn't see Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. We're kind of burying the lead here that the Americans' yeah, best duo historically is eight. They're, they're, they're eight and two all-time as a duo, including four and two 
in foursomes. That is Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. And instead, Zach Johnson rolling out uh, Ricky Fowler and Morikawa here. Do you think that will come back to bite Captain Johnson in about 18 hours' time? I think everything comes back to bite either Captain Johnson or Captain Donald. Like, look, this is what we do. We second guess and we pick things apart. And, and we're always really good on outcomes, right? Like once the outcome is done, we can always go back and be like, well, the captain should have done this. Absolutely. Like you consider how prolific that particular duo has been. Yes, that was the, the shocking one to me. I will say, and, and this will probably not age well because I, I, it depends on how tomorrow morning goes. I can see the logic in it, though. If, if the idea of Zach Johnson, and I do believe the idea of Zach Johnson is, I really don't want to play anybody five matches, then I can see them sitting JT and Jordan. This has nothing to do with whether he thinks they're playing well or not. If the idea is, okay, I don't want to play anybody five, then let's get their break out of the way in the very first session and then ride them for the next three team sessions and then obviously going into Sunday. I totally understand that. What I probably don't understand, and to your point, I didn't see Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa coming as, as well. I think Fowler was always going to be that Swiss Army knife. You could put him with anybody, and it was certainly going to be interesting to see who he landed with. And I wouldn't be surprised if they are a good pairing. You say that Shane Lowry has played well of late. He tied for 13th at the Irish Open. And let's, let's be honest. Please talk over me now. I don't care if Doug gets mad or not. Let's be honest. That's not the strongest field. No, it's not. It's not the strongest field, but he also he also showed at times uh, some good form at the BMW PGA. Like I just don't think that Luke Donald had much of a choice in this matter. Matt Fitzpatrick during his press conference, who has only played foursomes in his Ryder Cup career, came out and said, "I do not want to play foursomes. I need a four ball session." I he basically said it's unfair no. for him. He basically said it's unfair for him to hit only half of the shots the first two days and then expect to be at his best on Sunday. In order to be at his best, Matt Fitzpatrick said, he needs and wants to play a four-ball session. Having said that publicly, he basically put Luke Donald in a corner and said, hey, do not put me in foursomes. Maybe Saturday morning? Yeah, I could probably head out there for a foursome session, but do not do it on Friday. So that is the pairing that he has come out with. When you when you mentioned the, the JT and speed thing, Rex, and I want to button this up. Real quick, and Zach Johnson made the point that he doesn't necessarily want to play anyone all five matches. He, he attributed that to the, the warm temperatures that we've had uh, this week in Rome. It's 85, 90 degrees. Uh, obviously, the hilly golf course at Marco Simone. But he also said, quite interestingly, that these are the eight players on the American side that best give them a chance to win. I thought that was very interesting. Is he seen something in practice sessions uh, that led him to believe uh, that they're not among the top eight right now? Does he want to, as you suggest, roll them for the next three sessions and keep them fresh? Uh, it's it's a very interesting debate. If I'm Zach Johnson, I would have wanted to, to send out Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in this opening foursome session and see what they have. If they go out and get smoked, okay, maybe maybe JT has to to ride the bench and, and, and Spieth, if he, if he plays well or something, you know, send him out with another partner. If they roll, okay. Let's let's keep this train moving. Let's put them in four balls uh, where they've been highly successful and never lost uh, neither a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup. You know they're going to make it a bunch of, of birdies, uh, even if they do make a couple of mistakes. And so uh, I certainly think it was a surprise. I think it was a curveball uh, that those two players were not sent out. 
Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. How about the anchor match? Rex Fleetwood Mac, and then, to no one's surprise, Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. That's a, to me. That's to me. That's a doozy. It is. It's the one I, I am interested in. As I said, it's not the one I'm most interested in. That second match is the one I'm going to walk with. But I, I will say, and just to kind of circle back around, just real quick, I, I can tell you from a very, very good source that Matt Fitzpatrick never said he did not want to play foursomes. He, as a matter of fact, he told Captain Donald when I was told that he definitely wanted to play foursomes and he really wanted to play early Friday morning. He wanted to be in that first group out. However, he said he it publicly added, in his press conference. No, I, I can tell you, trust me, like that, that I think that got uh, misconstrued. Maybe he didn't say it correctly. He, he has no problem playing foursomes. I think what he was trying to get to is he's never played a four-ball match. He's also never won a point. If you're a captain, I don't know how anyone in the last two cups that he's played in hasn't thrown him a bone. I mean, come on. It's like giving a, court, a rookie quarterback in his first game in the NFL. Your first, your first pass out needs to be a bubble screen. Give him something easy to connect, to, to build his confidence. And so I think that's the only message he was trying to send. I don't think he ever intended to send the message that I don't want to play foursomes. That's not the case whatsoever. He really wants to get a point. Uh, to move forward to, to your conversation, <laughs> I think Xander and Patrick are, are going to be a dominant duo this week does that mean that i think they're going to beat rory and tommy no not necessarily because that's going to be a title bout those two all four of those players are playing really well right now and i think it's going to boil down to the level of how the united states team has adjusted it was interesting i was talking with someone from our telecast crew who was part of the team in paris five years ago and he was taken by the idea that the American team never adjusted. We knew what the golf course was. It was what we thought it was going to be. And yet the players like Phil Mickelson never adjusted to those conditions and maybe dialed it back off the tee, tried to find fairways, tried to shoot to the middle of greens. In this particular case, I'm going to watch to see if Xander and Patrick make some sort of adjustment. That it's easy for the Americans to show up here and just think to themselves, oh, this is just the same course I play. It's just 18 holes. You have fairways, you have greens. I'm going to do the same thing I do week in and week out. Are they going to be willing to make the adjustment to go for the middle of greens? And let's just see if we can make a putt. Another player, uh, remember, was part of that scouting trip for the Americans a couple of weeks ago to Marco Simone. Obviously, these are highly accomplished, well-regarded professional athletes. They've had four days to learn this golf course. They should be very much ready to go. But that's an absolute slobber knocker in the anchor. When you look at the historical trends, Rex, Europe has very interestingly not led 
after the opening session of the Ryder Cup since 2006. You can largely attribute that uh, to starting with uh, four balls, the American strength, uh, when you get in the States. And if you look at the last four Ryder Cups held on European soil in alternate shot, foursomes play, Europe has secured 22.5 points, United States, 9.5. So it's certainly a calculated risk for Luke Donald to go strength here in the sense that if you're, if you're interested in momentum, you would want to, in theory, have the afternoon session be foursomes. That's traditionally your strongest uh, format. You can say you win 3-1, and then you head off into Saturday uh, feeling very good about yourself. If you're Europe, I think you absolutely have to, at worst, go 2-2. Two and two. Otherwise, uh, you could be playing catch-up by the end of Friday. What do you think about Luke Donald's decision, and how do you think it will actually go in terms of the score on Friday? Lab, you were in Spain last week. You should be the first one that goes, okay. Let's say either team, I'm, I'm not even going to make an, uh, an adjustment here. Let's say either team sweeps it. Let's say either team goes 4-0. We learned last week, that's not the death knell we thought it was. And I, I think both captains probably have that in their back pocket. As I go down the list, and I was thinking about this on the very, very uh, angry and angst and uncomfortable bus ride home from the golf course this afternoon, that I imagine a 2-2 split. And it's that not that you have Europe winning two and the United States winning two. That's not even what I envision. I can imagine a scenario where all four matches are tied, which is ridiculous. I don't even know if that's ever happened before. But if you look how evenly those two teams, at least when you kind of break it down and you, you think about each one of them, I don't know that either one of them, I, I can't see a blowout on either side. I mean, that's what has me most optimistic. The last, what are we, the last four Ryder Cups? have been blowouts for the home team. I mean, Sunday's been absolutely anticlimactic. I just have a hard time believing that either side's going to win by three, four, five points, uh, even if the Americans break the drought, even if Europe's extended. I do think these are incredibly evenly matched. I still, Rex, think Europe is going to pull this one out. They're a straighter driving team. They are better iron players, and they are better putters, uh, all of which uh, bodes well. But when it comes to this first session, I'm with you. I see a 2-2 split. I don't even feel like that's a cop-out. Like, that's just how uh, I see these matches breaking down. I think it'll be close throughout, and I think the Friday morning foursomes uh, will set the tone for that. We were supposed to go, Rex. We were supposed to go 15 minutes on this opening podcast. We've instead gone 24. We did have a little bit of uh, side talk, uh, although not over each other. Anything else you wanted to get to before we actually, finally, mercifully, Get some balls in the air. Uh, looking forward to that first tee. We talked about it earlier in the week. There's nothing in golf like that. We talked about it today on Live From. That that first tee experience, we cover a lot of events, and major championships are special. And by the time we get to April next year, we'll be talking about how special that is. But tune in, watch. I know it's very, very early in the morning back in the United States. But, man, it's going to be a very, very cool atmosphere, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. Stay up. Make a, make a night of it. There it is. I'm talking over you again. It's only 10.30 p.m. Uh, for our friends on the West Coast. This, this tournament cannot be beat. It gives us content for two years. We've been talking about this very event for two years, almost nonstop. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. A gift, certainly, from the content gods. All right. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Make sure you go to NBCSports.com slash golf for all of our news, notes, features, commentary, analysis, podcast postings. We are going to try, folks. We are going to try to do mini pods each and every night. Had a little bit of an issue with the Wi-Fi on Thursday. That's why we are audio only in this format. We will try desperately uh, to bring those to you after each and every day at the Solheim, uh, excuse me, the Ryder Cup. We absolutely cannot wait. And we will talk to you on Friday. At Delta, we know Mike and 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.